Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Awards Radar podcast, the official kickoff of the second half of 2022. God, that sounds strange and exhausting and time is flying, but also moving too slow, all those things. So we've got a uh, a little bit of a first half wrap up to talk about. We've got a bunch of movies to talk about, up including Thor: Love and or Thunder, and uh, the return of a game. So uh, to do this, I'm joined as always by Miles. Hey everybody! And uh, since Steve is uh, currently a little indisposed, still getting a little bit of relaxation after uh, the Emmys, but also I think just needing some time. We uh, we recruited uh, Max to come on and, and join us for this episode. So Max, you're here. Uh, are you sure? I mean, I don't know for sure, but I'm I'm guessing. I'm actually so. a ghost. Ghost Max. That's Ooh. right. Max Max Power. Yeah, sure. Why not? I'll take it. All right, excellent. So we will be talking about the first half of the year as well as at least one movie that is part of the second half of the year. But before we do that, let's start with a question. As always, Ryan McDermott has a Filmaholic face-off for us. Uh, Max, pretend you know what these are, but just in case, you <laughs> get two things, you pick your choice between them. Uh, <clears throat> Ryan oh, it turns was out listening. You actually don't have to pretend, because he just told you. Yeah, yeah right. I, I cover our bases. Uh, Ryan was listening, however. Miles, you'll appreciate these. Uh, so first up, Alien vs. Predator. Oh, wait, the movie Alien versus the movie Predator? Yes, okay. <laughs> you'll, see, you'll see where this is going. Oh, boy. Um, oh, that's a tough one. I really love them both. Um, I think I like Aliens just a smidge more than Alien, um, whereas Predator is by far the best Predator movie. Um, yeah, it might be Sacrilege, but I think I'm going to go with Predator. Predator I'm going, a- I'm going Alien. All right. <clears throat> no, no I'm going I, but Predator but, also just didn't really work for me for some reason. I don't know why. I watched it like okay. a, a year ago after like years of not seeing it. And I was like, eh. I will say that Predator always feels like it should be better. All of the mm. Predator movies. Whether, it, whether it's uh, big military guys versus Predator. Danny Glover in the city versus Predator. Uh, <laughs> criminals on a planet versus Predator. Aliens versus predator like whatever they're doing because predator is so cool as a concept and also kind of is a super soldier who can do almost anything it always feels like there's a lack of ideas when it doesn't fully hit alien i think you have those first two to really hold up and then your mileage varies on on the rest of them and and prometheus and all that stuff so i uh highs and lows there i i am gonna go alien though yes yes um Miles, this will become even more apparent what we're doing in a second. The next one is Batman versus Superman. Okay, I see. I see. I see. I see you, Ryan. I see what you're doing. Is this OG like the OGs? It's kind of just taking off of a thing we were doing because we were talking about Alien versus Predator the franchise um, last week. However, you want to answer it. We're kind of. I guess we're just talking like kind of property at this point. Okay, I thought uh, well, my presumption well, here would have been like Batman '89 versus Superman. Yeah, let's whatever. do that then. If you were doing if you're doing Alien the movie versus Predator the movie, that's where I was going. I'm still on, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still on Alien, but I kind of just mentioned the franchise. But yeah, do do Burton Batman versus uh, Donner Superman. 
cool. Uh, I don't like any of the Donner Superman. I don't like any of the Chris Reeve Superman movies. They're just, they've never been for me. Um, Burton Batman has its issues, but it's also iconic. Michael Keaton's amazing. Jack Nicholson's amazing. It's Batman all the way. All right. Uh, Max? I, I, I can't argue with this. Batman. Batman in literally every conceivable way, including films of today. I love Superman, but Batman is a is a more exciting character and happens to be just w- more well written throughout history. Honestly, facts here. Um, I'll mix it up and go Superman. Just it's based okay on... to be wrong. <laughs> Max has to go now. Um, the, I I'm not a huge <laughs> that voice. Uh, I'm not a huge Burton guy. Like I like Big Fish Tim Burton. And uh, I guess one step down would be Batman Burton, but I do kind of like Donner Superman. Um, mm. The 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 sort of nostalgic look at it. I think as a as a kid coming to that, I embraced that one ever so slightly more than than Batman. Batman worked for me later on. It's close, but I, I think also just so it's not sweet. Uh, next mm. up, Godzilla versus Kong, or King Kong, if you prefer. Well, I guess we're going originals yeah. here, too, just to keep up with the trend. Um, sure. Hmm. This is this is an interesting one, because I'd say, I mean, King Kong is revolutionary in a number of ways just for when it came out. Uh, but Godzilla probably has a bit more to say and is using mm-hmm. its monster as sort of a metaphor for, you know, everything that was going on in Japan at the time. Um. Generally speaking, I like Kong's movies better, but if we're talking just the originals, I think I will go Godzilla. All right. I'm going to go King Kong because it makes me cry. Fair. Um, I I have a weird sort of caveat I want to put here. Uh, I feel like Miles is right about Godzilla, but... If it's the the sort of like American version that added was it Raymond Chandler, then it's then it's King Kong, because that was just oh well no that that's garbage no I'm talking about the Japanese yeah. version yeah good because like, yes, I mean but, but without King Kong we wouldn't have seen Reptar the musical in Rugrats in Paris so let's let's just get that straight I thought you were going to go true. with without King Kong we wouldn't have Godzilla which is also fair but you, I mean no, without, no, no, no. without Godzilla, Godzilla we wouldn't go, have Reptar either no I don't care about Godzilla we wouldn't have Reptar the musical okay. so like let's let's get our facts straight well I can't argue with that I, I know fair um Freddy versus Jason all right so uh, uh I mean, both characters and in terms of original films, uh, it's Freddy all the way for me. He's a more interesting character. His films have more interesting concepts. Yeah, um, you're notably a fan of uh, of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, right? Well, funny you should bring that up. I actually just <laughs> saw a screening of it a few days ago. Um, our local indie theater was showing it for Pride Month. I, I mean, it is, a, it is a movie with, uh, let's call it tension in it. It's boy, it's got a lot of something. Let me tell you, that was a fun movie to watch with the crowd. You know what it doesn't have? Subtext. It's text. <laughs> oh, it's all text. Um, but yeah, like original Nightmare is still a classic and the batting average for that series is stronger. The Jason movies did get better, but I think that first one is actually one of the weaker ones. Sure. Max. 
here's my thing about horror movies. I can't watch You're them because they scare the holy crap out of me because I'm um, a baby. Well, yeah. And, you know, babies are adorable and I'm adorable. So just for kicks and giggles, I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say Jason because I, I have seen some of them and I, I I do like the Jason stories, even though he absolutely horrifies me. Yeah, you 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 find more comfort being stalked at summer camp than in your dreams. I need you to not say anything else for the rest of the night. <laughs> Max is probably going to summer camp very soon. No, God, no. Not, now I'm never know. going back to camp. Well, or you know, if you listen to the Freddy song, you never sleep again. No, I'm okay. Thanks. I'm gonna leave. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will. I'll go Freddy as well. The movies are wildly differing in quality but the better ones are better than anything jason has jason i'm still kind of waiting for the 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 real great jason movie friday 13th movie it's kind of funny that i mean it's a it's a legal issue that they're not making them still but like you would think they would have taken a million swings of this and gotten one by now but not so much and uh finally he's just fucking with us at this point alien versus predator versus aliens versus predator requiem (laughs) Oh, okay. <laughs> that one broke my brain just a little bit. I think on purpose. Um, I mean, they're both crap. Let's not mince words here. <laughs> no, um, I'd probably go with the first one, honestly, because even though the second one is gnarlier and does have more of the, you know, stuff you want from the from those movies, it's also like shot and lit incomprehensibly. And it has, mm-hmm. like, like the first one has bad characterization, but at least it's trying something. It's got Lance Henriksen. It's got some okay visuals. I cheered when I was 14 years old in the theater where the pet- predator does the spin thing and shoves the spear in the queen alien's neck. It's got some dumb lizard brain fun to be had. The second one is just noise and awfulness. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm team aliens, alien, that universe. Yeah. You've been clear. Uh, no, Miles. <laughs> Miles is right. Um, it's just not good. Um, Neither of them are good. All right. No, no, they're both bad, but they're different. Bad. One is a more um, the soft bigotry of badness, as opposed to like really in your face. Like you know, you you never want to watch a movie and go, "It's conceivable that I could have done a better job." Yeah. <laughs> like you, you, you just want to be able to go, "Okay, even if it's a bad movie, like there's talent and skill here," and that's. And that's the case. I don't know. I, I maybe it was an aesthetic choice, but they're just yeah. It does feel like they just forgot the lights for the two weeks they were shooting the movie. I'm like, yeah, we'll work without them. Well, yeah. I mean, the difference for me is that the first one is a bad movie, but at least it feels like a real movie. The second yeah. one, like you could tell me that was a fan film, and I would believe you. Hey, big wow! That fan has millions of dollars to spend. Pity they didn't spend a few of them on lights. That's true. Uh, one more question before we move on. This is a little more of a, a thinker. We had we had our low art. We'll go high art now. Kfleet two hundred eight asks uh, Sight and Sound magazine. They're going to be doing their greatest film of all time poll this year once again. Mm-hmm. Any potential changes to the top ten or any change to the number one spot? And they say uh, here is the top ten from the last time they did it in twenty twelve. Um, number ten is eight and a half. Number nine is The Passion of Joan of Arc. Number eight is Man with a Movie Camera. Number seven is The Searchers. Number six is 2001 A Space Odyssey. Number five is Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans. Four is Rules of the Game. 
three is Tokyo Story, two is Citizen Kane, and one is Vertigo. So I'm going to start off, and I don't know what they're going to take out, but I know they will be putting uh, Alien vs. Predator Requiem onto the top ten. 100%. Well, it only yeah, fits. It you hear all those other titles, and it's like Alien vs. Predator Requiem seems like it's missing, you know? Yeah, yeah, I will yeah, I mean, say, listen, I, I do think uh, Rugrats in Paris should be on that list. I mean, I can maybe, see maybe in the top 15, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, they are looking for animation. Um, I do suspect um, that not much is gonna gonna change. I, yeah, but Parasite's got to be added. That would be awesome. If any, re- if any film new. from, yeah, but if they're gonna add anything from the past ten years, I feel like that makes as much sense as anything else. That's yeah. the only I, thing I can picture at being added because. Well, no, I thought I thought of it. Right. Um, unless I don't, I can't think of anything else. The only other thing I can think of is that they're gonna go real off the walls, like uh, into the Spider Verse. They won't. Oh. Animation. They should, but they're no. not gonna. They're not gonna do it. No, my they my should. suspicion they're is they're not cool enough for Into the Spider Verse. No. Yeah, if they true. if they mess with the top ten, it'll be moving out either. Well, the thing is, they kind of represent a lot here. So you've got your you've got your Citizen Kane, you've got your Hitchcock, you've got your Kubrick, you have a Western. You have they might arbitrarily cinema. slot in something older, like throw in like a Raging Bull or something like that. Mm. How is Shawshank not in there? I think they're just so um, classic cinema also. centric. Um, no, trust me, I, I believe it should be number one. But like, I would say like the one everything here is a classic, whether you you know love them or just appreciate them. I don't know that I'm familiar more than in name with Sunrise, a song of two humans. I was about to say, so like would... I consider myself quite the cinephile and I've never fucking heard yeah. of that movie. Nope. I, I feel like I know it from seeing it on the list. Um, so like I would initially say that would be the one to go, but they clearly like have a special passion for that one. I think um, Parasite is the only film to be widely considered one of the greatest films ever of the last 15 years to come out. Yeah. I think we can agree that if they were going to put something from the, from the modern era, quote unquote, it would be Parasite. Agreed. Agreed. I just don't know what they would take out. Uh, definitely not going to. I really don't think they're going to change number one. I think they're they're going to stay on Vertigo. If I had to no, guess, they probably shift some things. I was I, I, I was about to say I wouldn't be surprised if they kept some of the same things, but they just shuffle them around a little bit. That's probably closer to what they're going to do. Yeah, if I had to guess. Um, so yeah, so there's our there's our questions. Um, Miles, you saw some stuff before we talk about what Max and I saw. Um, sort of uh, start with the the oldest thing, because that's kind of like not the forefront of people's minds, but it'll come to play a little bit later when we talk about like best of the year. But you uh, you finally saw Fresh. I did finally see Fresh. I actually finished watching Fresh about 10 minutes before we started recording. Uh, um, yeah, it's, it's good. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's, I mean, fun maybe... <laughs> An interesting choice yeah. of words, given the subject matter, but it is—it's entertaining. It's a rom-com that has a twist, and then that twist sort of twists back into rom-com territory for a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. The actors are good. Sebastian Stan is clearly having a ball. Um, oh, for sure, it's not doing anything revolutionary, but I—it's very much in my wheelhouse, and I very much enjoyed it. Um, I did see when it came out some of the criticisms about the best friend character in particular, sort of playing into some very obvious tropes and i can't really disagree with that i kind of wish no, that character can, had any inner life or agency of her own beyond you, oh you what's happening tell. with my friend yeah i so I, I like the movie a lot but it's definitely a movie where two characters 
are given, I would say, 95% of the attention. And everything else is writerly like, oh, we have to leave the action to come back to the action. Oh, I'll just give this character a side quest. Well, there's that, also that, the the one friend of the friend that like comes right up to the edge of getting involved in the plot and then just yeah, and then doesn't. doesn't. <laughs> which is which kind I, of funny, kinda, but like yeah. it also makes you I wonder think, why we spent so much time with him if nothing came of that. Exactly. The 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 decent joke of like, oh, okay, he's not gonna save the day is mitigated somewhat by like, you know, we could just have another scene of the two of them and not worry about the friends. Yeah. But Small, small issue for me. No, but, um, yeah, very much nitpicks, but no, it's very enjoyable. It's on Hulu now, and we'll probably stay there for the foreseeable future. So, yeah, totally, I, it's part of the uh, Searchlight um, Hulu deal. If if you like rom coms with a creepy twist, if you like horror stuff in general, it's definitely one that'll. It's a very fun. I mean, again, inoffensive is the wrong word, yeah. but we're you know, like Max, fun, probably inoffensive not enjoy for the, it if you don't like horror yeah, stuff, but totally. Um, it's interesting that it's um, that, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll lump in HBO's like The Survivor. We have these um, film studios, for lack of a better word, let's say, essentially picking up things now to put into the Emmy race for the TV movie because they think uh, Fresh and The Survivor are uh, competing for the Emmys. So I kind of like that there's these like theatrical quality films in in these like uh, what is it TV movie limited or whatever whatever hell like hybrid category they're in. As opposed to when it was, like, those HBO movies that, like, uh, Barry Levinson would direct, which are fine. But, you know, was it the the the, the one about Kevorkian or the one about... Like, it would always be Al Pacino playing someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're all fine or too big to fail. Like, they're all totally well done but didn't feel like they were made to be seen in a theater. Yeah. And Fresh... I mean, Fresh I watched at, um, at my now ex-girlfriend's house in January at Sundance when we were... When no one went to Sundance, everyone did Sundance at home. I, I went somewhere to pretend I was going somewhere for for Sundance. <laughs> that that's as close as you're gonna get. But like the Survivor played at like TIFF and I think Telluride. Like it was, you know, there's there's something interesting there. Um, just a, a side thought. And before you go to the next ones, do you guys want some breaking news that technically is embargoed until tomorrow? Yeah. Cool. Um, listeners, you'll have already found out because you're gonna listen to this on Thursday, and Wednesday at ten o'clock is when this is breaking. But I know the very first film that is uh, announced for Toronto this year. Oh, what do we got? Rugrats in pe- Rugrats in Italy. I'll give you a second guess if you want. <laughs> That's the only guess I care about. Oh, All right. I like it. He's doubling down. Um, yeah. Miles? Gosh, what would be premiering at Toronto? Is it something that hasn't screened yet? It is a world premiere. Ooh, okay. Hmm, I'm trying to think what would make sense in the release schedule. Um, I, oh, gosh, it's it, it's, I have to assume it's something that's coming out in like September, October ish kind of time. Frame. What's the release ish? Um, I don't know if it has a, give me one second. I, as I look up, if it has an actual release date yet, it might be just a like coming out this year movie um like flower is killer flower moon the right time i don't it is just considered a 2022 release and i can tell you for sure it is coming out this year okay um what about like white noise or something like that okay you want to go white noise back to a uh, non-rugrats guest 
well, nothing else will matter. But um, yeah. let's go with, I just saw a little teaser for The Woman King. Oh, wait, what about Next Goal Wins? Oh, All right. Either of I'll those. go next, right. next Goal Wins because I've been hearing about that forever. So let's go Next Goal Wins, even though I'm, I know it's not going to be that. Well, then in that case, I'm going to switch to The Woman King because that did just get a teaser and that would be really oh. good timing. All right. If, I'm, if, I, if it's The Woman King, I get half credit. Fair enough. All right. Well, luckily, you're both wrong. So no one gets Damn half credit. Um, actually, you both were on interesting topics. Um, Max, um, it is a movie set in Europe. And Miles, it's a Netflix movie. It's Glass Onion. Really? Wow. Glass Onion and Eyes Out Mystery will be playing at TIFF. It is the first film confirmed for the Toronto Film Festival this year. Well, oh, that God, I can't wait. have confidence in that. I'm I mean, so I know excited. they have confidence in it. Um, full disclosure, I had lunch with Netflix a couple weeks ago. I think I told Miles about this. And they just wanted to, like, they just do this, like, hey, what's, here's what we got cooking kind of thing. That's awesome. Which I assume you mean a, a representative from Netflix and not, like, Netflix, the Cthulhu Mr. entity. <laughs> oh Mr. no, 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 um, Mrs. Netflix. It was. I was in the Matrix, and, and oh, okay. Netflix fed me the the steak that's not steak. It was. It was delightful. Um, yes, a representative from Netflix, but um, that was one of the things they they felt like like putting forward to me. So like, that's yeah, awesome. I'll read you. I'll read you this uh, press release real quick. Tiff announces Glass Onion as world premiere screening. Um, no date yet, just literally that it is going to have its world premiere at the festival because Knives Out had its world premiere in 2019. So there you go. Um, and uh, yeah, last time around, around the same time, I think I had uh, met with reps and, and they were telling me to watch out for Tick Tick Boom. You know, Andrew mm. Garfield did his own singing and like they were very high on Andrew Garfield. Um, the- they were very, they were obviously very high on Power of the Dog. Um, they were at that time hoping I would revisit passing and mm. uh, kind of were, oh, don't look up is what you have as your year in advance. All right. Yeah, we, we you know, they were they were, I think, kind of like exhausted with the idea of like, if that movie's not good, it's going to get shit on. So like, it better be good. And then it was OK to good and, and got what they thought it would get. And anyway. it was that was a whole thing. I also. <laughs> remember being at the a screening before the embargo lifted and, and they were almost like relieved when I was like, I don't think it's an awards movie, but I liked it. And then <laughs> lo and behold, it was one anyway. But yeah, so that was a, a fun bit of news that will be up on the site by the time you're hearing this. But yeah, Glass Woo-hoo. Onion. Um, Miles, you did not see Glass Onion, but you saw a couple other things. I did. Yeah. Let me uh, let me run through them real quick. So um, I got to see a theater screening of Phil Tippett's Mad God. Uh, which is his stop motion magnum opus that he's been crafting for about thirty years now. Uh, Isn't it the most like watched premiere on Shutter or some some exactly. like, very odd statistic? Yeah, yeah, it's now a Shutter exclusive. So um, it's it's interesting. It's I mean, it's the kind of movie that can clearly only be made by someone who's an absolute master of their craft. Like I thought you were Mad Men. I mean, a bit of that too. Yeah. It is insanity, and there's not much in the way of plot, story, or character. It's mostly <laughs> just a very thinly veiled excuse to go from set piece to set piece of various very weird, very bizarre, very out there, pseudo-post-apocalyptic. <sighs> it, it's def- it defies explanation, to be sure. There's like, mm-hmm. it's very, it, it reminded me a lot of like Brazil, 
or something like oh, that, where you're seeing like, you know, this kind of out there, you know, fantastical dystopia. Um, sure. It's got a lot. It's it's so impressive to watch. You just wish there was some sort of narrative sort of keeping you going because mm. it's short. But by the last half hour or so, you are starting to feel like, oh, there's almost some connective tissue here. Oh, if because there's no dialogue in the film at all. There's like grunts and groans and like, you know, weird little character noises, but no like text, which I, I think it's Max's Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> it's you know it, and it's i think that could have worked but i think you need just a little bit of character or a little bit of structure just a little something to tie yeah. it all together because as is it kind of just plays like you know these could be a series of like 20 you know unconnected short films and sure, sure. and have the exact same impact um, i think um when you talk about the next film depending on the order you're going into I had a, a similar issue, not in that there's not plot, but that I wanted more to be happening given the potential of the premise. And I think it's a, it's a legitimate criticism to have, while at the same time, I am cognizant that I always like to preface with, like, you know, we're always supposed to, like, review the movie we saw, not the movie we wanted to see. Um, which is something we'll talk about in a minute for a different film. But, yeah, I think when you when you watch something and go, you're this close to what I want it to be, it's, it's always fair to, to be like, why couldn't you just move like just a little bit in this direction. Yeah. I would say if you're a fan of horror and if you're a fan of stop motion, it's definitely worth a look if you're curious, but just, you know, keep your expectations in check. It's, it's not like some mind blowing game changer. It's, you know, it's beautifully, beautifully made from a technical standpoint. And, you know, all 30 years that he spent working on it, you can see it on the screen. Like, for having no real studio involvement, it's astonishing how good it looks. But yeah. but narratively, it does leave a little bit to be desired. Hmm. Um, the next one, because um, I'll, I'll, I'll build up to the bigger one I saw. Uh, so the other one I saw, which was completely on a whim, was uh, a cute little indie called Brian and Charles. Yep. Um, this one was, I was probably not, planning on seeing it but uh uh kelly my wife really wanted to so you know we sort of went um i think on like a wednesday night or something i found myself very much charmed by it it's very cute it's very simple it's funny uh it's just about this quirky little introverted inventor who you know he's got all these wacky inventions that never quite come together but they're doing it in this sort of mockumentary style where mm -hmm. it's like it's very twee and i as somebody who doesn't like Wes Anderson, I can absolutely understand Joey, why you wouldn't be a big fan of it. It felt like British Wes Anderson. To me. Yeah. And I can definitely see that. Um, but anyway, he basically builds a robot out of a washing machine and a couple of other things. And against all odds, it works. And it sort of becomes this little story of their friendship and the robot learning and learning what he wants from life. And, you know, the inventor also gets like a girlfriend. There's like this antagonistic force that they have to deal with that felt a little you know trite not even trite, yeah, but just like, like you you know you pick them off a conveyor belt as like some sort of generic antagonist that we have to deal with the um, more they spent with the people that weren't the the main two or three the the less interested i became also i don't disagree with that i think the main two because the lead actor is very good he's very like he, he's able to make cringiness compelling and yeah. the guy who's doing the voice and the body, I guess he's playing uh, the robot is like, 
I don't know. They I both found... direct, like co-directed and co-wrote, I believe. Yeah, at least co-wrote. Yeah. yeah um, one directed fair... and they both co-wrote. I don't know. I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he's a lot of fun. He's very charming. You know, Kelly and I have been, you know, talking in his voice for the past week as a result of it. It's, I can see that. It's light as a feather. There's not a lot of depth to it per se, but if you like sort of British humor, if you like sort of a nice little feel good movie that has very low stakes and doesn't ask much of you, uh, it's one that I would definitely recommend. Very fair. And then, uh, the big one I saw this past week was of course the black phone. Hmm. And uh, I really dug it. I oh, yeah. I think my expectations were exactly where they needed to be because it's not, you know, similar to Fresh. It's not revolutionary. Uh, but what it's doing, it's doing very well. Uh, it's got some great uh, kid performances in it because usually I'm a yeah. little and I know I shouldn't be, but I'm often quite critical of child performances just because when they're bad, they're really bad. But the two lead uh, kids in this, I thought, were really, really strong, like above average for this kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, the other the other kids, mm, hit or miss, Man, but they they were very good. They're they were fine. All fine. I, I, no I, one's bad. No, no, the, nobody jumped out at me in the cast as being like Ooh. his his like tough guy friend. Yeah, I thought some he was of fine. his deliveries. He's fine, but some of his deliveries are like I'm glad he's not the lead type situation. Ooh, I disagree. His first scene, um, sort of in the bathroom. Well, no, in the like, bathroom why, is great. Why isn't this guy the main character? No, no, I like that. It was later on when like it was uh, towards the end when I mean people know the movie when like he's starting to like give the the, the help. Then I was like, I think you've been stretched as far as you can go. But I like that character. I like the idea of the like. He, because he's also an interesting character, the main character. Like he, he plays baseball. Like he's not, he's just like right on the fringe of a bunch of groups, which makes it a little more believable that he would be able to, I guess, spoiler alert, survive. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't think that at all, but that's fine. Um, Ethan Hawke, I think, is perfect. I think he's a savvy enough character or, or a savvy enough actor that he knows that he doesn't need to go that big, that the mask is creepy enough that he can let it do a lot of the heavy lifting. And yeah. so his body language is a bit more minimalist and he lets his voice do a lot of the work. I I'm always very impressed with actors that can give great performances without like the use of their face. See also totally. like Hugo weaving and V for vendetta or something like that. Sim- similar with the different, uh, you know, very much different vibe. Yeah. I don't know. This is like asking a ton of him. But I think it's very much a thing he can do well and is clearly enjoying. Yeah, well, the that's the thing. To, it's not, it's yeah. not deep or compelling or complex, but he's sinking his teeth into it. Like, it's not exactly. a nothing role. It's not a throwaway thing. He clearly showed up and, like, did the work and had fun at the same time. So I think the character is very, like, I think visually alone. I think he's probably instantly iconic. Um, some great uh, mask design by Tom Savini. Um, yeah, it's just nice. I liked all the period details. They were like believable without being, they were believable without being overly obvious. Um, like some of the stuff in it could be. Um, I think we mentioned this when we talked last week that I said like my only main ding on it. And I like it too. Probably about as much as you is, um, I did most of the stuff with the sister. I think she's good in the movie, but doesn't really like lead too much. It's, it's, and it's very much oddly. I read the short story, which is like 20 pages or something really isn't a thing. This is all for the movie. I guess. I mean, I, I don't disagree with that, but at the same time, I think it, I think it helps that 
because I think the trailers have sort of been a little misleading that you feel like it's like more or less completely the guy's story, the male kid's story. I can't remember. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's um, really it's not Finney, it, right? Finney. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's really not. It's a bit more of a two hander. And I think part of what sells that is that it's actually a f- they take quite a bit of time before the initial abduction. I do like that. There's a lot. There's a lot of build up. There's a lot of build up of the grabber as this sort of almost mythological sort of figure in, yeah, in the community. He's already grabbed several people, presumed dead, and then the the friend gets taken, and that's that's this like oh no, it's it's hit home. It went from like people we we know of to someone we know. It really could be us, and then pretty quickly it just becomes him like that's that they they get very very much into the second act in a hurry after that yeah and the supernatural element i think it's interesting in the way that so often in something like this the ghosts or the supernatural entity or what have you is the antagonist and i thought it was kind of refreshing that it was very much a benevolent ghostly force and that there was no real connection between them I mean, between the fact that ghosts exist and the actual threat of the movie. I mean, yeah. there's an obvious connection, but it's not like the two aren't going. The two are working almost independently of one another. Yeah, it's the very simple, like, unfinished business aspect of the ghost of just yeah. like, oh, I got murdered. He's going to the murderer is going to murder again. Someone just like me. I'm going to try to prevent that. But, it, you know, they don't explain it. They don't do any of that stuff. It's just uh, there. Kind of the same thing with, with like the sister being able to like, I don't. Her power is even kind of hard to explain. It's one of those like Stephen King like telepathy type things that like it's just a slight change. She has dreams that come true essentially. Yeah, exactly. And I think you know that's fine. I think less is more with a story like this. Yeah, like yeah. A they, lot of, just, everything here is less is more with the explanations, which is fine. It's yeah. consistent. A lot of a lot of exposition wouldn't have done the film any favors. I like that. You don't really get much in the way of the grabber's backstory, but you you, you have no. just enough there that you can sort of intuit a few things and sort of yeah. Get, get, you can also kind of decide what yeah. if, if you want him how how awful you want the grabber to be. Yeah. Clearly, there's a baseline of awful here, but added on, you can decide um, if it's just violent or if there is a like pedophilic aspect to it. That's sort of up left to you to figure out. I mean, I I didn't get any of that at all and i'm glad that i didn't because that's the kind of thing that would really make the movie sort of leave a sour taste in your mouth exactly you if you want him to be diddling them too there's nothing to say he's not but the movie gives you nothing about it it's just he grabs them he he feigns friendliness and eventually they're dead however however that translates is really like not important because also there's no way to know for him for finney so like he's in his situation that's the thing it's very kind of like what does he know in a way yeah no so yeah i think i think it's a very good version of what it is it's probably the best horror movie i've seen so far this year although i got a few to catch up on um like a couple better but it's pretty good yeah no i just it's very solid it's doing exactly what you want it to it's i left the theater satisfied fair enough max here's a movie that's not a horror film i'll talk about real quick i'm ready um i saw marcel the shell with shoes on a couple weeks ago i'm dying to see it hmm I, uh, I had forgotten to review it last week, so I put up the review a couple days ago. Um, it's lovely. Um, I was uh, a little more resistant to its charm early on than, than I think most people. Most people seem to fall in love like frame one. It took me like almost half the movie to be like, okay, I think, I think I'm think i into it. 
And uh, I will say it builds to a very, like, unexpectedly touching ending that I wasn't prepared for and was, was very moving. So if you're if you're looking for, like, that sort of change of pace type film, that is decidedly it. Um, I... Uh, once, once we see it, once more people see it, we can talk about it more. Because I know um, Miles will probably see it soon because I believe Kelly wants to see it, right? Now oh. that she's convinced it's not an A24 horror film. I, she still thinks there's going to be an A24 twist in it. I kept saying, no, mm-hmm. no, we see the trailer for that and men back to back all the time. They, they used all their A24 twists on men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I can vouch for it being completely acceptable for all ages. Yeah, um, yeah, my wife wants to see it also. There you go. Um, I want to talk about Thor in a moment, but quickly we'll get one more out of the way. Just because uh, Miles uh, is very keen on this one, and we'll we'll talk more about it next month. But um, I did see Three Thousand Years of Longing. Uh, Miles, what do you call the movie? The genie fucking movie. Um, the movie about, the movie about Tilda Swinton fucking a genie. I, I'm not convinced she fucks the genie in the movies. Thing. How dare you? How dare you shatter my my head cannon? I mean, they fall in love. That's not a that's not particularly surprising. But this. No, is, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I gotta get my own eyes on this one. <laughs> yes, once you see it, I'm curious what you think. Because my only response to you, I know you were very interested to, to hear what I thought. My my uh, my one sentence review to Miles was less horny than I was expecting. <laughs> um, it's listen, it's a very nice movie. I was very disappointed by it at the same time. I think Aww. the um, the first act is fine. The middle is really tough for me because I think it also ends very nicely. Like the third act is very much Tilda and the, and, and the Jin um, on her turf. And the first act kind of introduces you to her. And the second act is after she's released him, he's telling her stories to convince her to make a wish. Otherwise, he's kind of like left into oblivion. And she's mm. like, she's very rational. I was like, well, no, I know what happens. I make a wish. Shit gets fucked up. Like. I'm going to I'm going to wish to be beautiful and you're going to make me a statue like based it's a very classy version of like I've seen that movie Wishmaster. So he tells these like very elaborate stories that have a, like a thousand and one Arabian Nights flair to them and they're beautiful to look at. The George Miller is is doing all the art direction and the cinematography is lovely. The there's I think four stories in the middle. Three of them are boring as hell is the problem. And they're like very clear where they're going and they don't really leave much of an impact. The fourth one that kind of explains where he got to this point is surprisingly touching and does sort of get everything back on track. So I'm curious when everyone else sees it, if that's the same case. Because for me, I was like, am I, did I fall that far off of where I wanted to be that I can't get fully back? And I'll decide when I, when I write my review, but that's sort of my, my tease on that one. Now, um, Max, do you want to take the love or the thunder? I'll take the and. All right, cool. Start us <laughs> off. Tell us about the end. And how'd I do? No, not bad. Now you can talk about the movie. Yeah. All right. So for those of you who do not know, I'm also now I'm taking my dog out because he's being an asshole. Come on, Cooper. <laughs> so Cooper, you're going to go outside. Let's go. Um. So I am a gigantic, gigantic Marvel like nerd. They my life revolves around Marvel and Pixar. So I was very, very, very excited to see this movie. And I talked a little bit about it with Joey, but I I really, really liked it. I thought Christian Bale was absolutely phenomenal. I like I cannot deny how brilliant he was. I think there are two things. One, 
I think I need to see it again. With I'm actually who, going tomorrow. <laughs> well, I think I need to go again with people who aren't critics. Yeah. And I need to go with people who are more like just fans of like Marvel. Because I feel like, and it's, it, it, it's the thing inside of my own head that I was like, I just feel like everyone around me was like judging it so hard when I just like want to enjoy it. You know, sometimes like when you go to a movie, you're sometimes uh, the environment helps you or doesn't help you. Yeah, you want so you think, want the pops. You want the you want the cheers when someone. Shows I want up the cheers. Out. I want the and you people and who are, they, they had that, but just maybe yeah yeah yeah. You know you want you want the the exuberance as opposed to the cheer. Yeah, but listen, I don't need like the the distracting like you can't hear the movie, but yeah. I I don't want to be surrounded by people who are like over analyzing which color palette they used. You know, like I just like. And that was like a very exaggerated description of whatever that was. Anyway, I really, really, really liked it. And I think what I went in with, I was expecting something that was like going to like break the mold again, which is kind of what Taika did with Thor Ragnarok. To me, that's like, that is a masterpiece. That is a top 20 superhero movies of all time. I think it is absolutely perfect. And I was expecting it to do something like that, I guess, but it 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 is it did exactly the same thing, which works, but it didn't have like the uh, I don't know it just didn't it wasn't like what I thought it was going to be, which is like my own fault. That being said, I went in and saw Star Wars: The Last Jedi once, and I was like, eh, it was good. And then after I, after like two weeks, I saw it again. And now it's my favorite Star Wars movie. So now that like I have my expectations set, I think I can now like go back and really enjoy it for what it is. Like my expectations won't be as high. Yeah. Not in like a, like I'm setting them low, but like in a, I know what this is now. And yeah, exactly. that's, it's that's... such a great story. Uh, and again, Bale is so freaking good in this so those are my two overall thoughts. It's like a four out of five for me. Fair. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, that's part of why I'm going tomorrow as well or yesterday when you guys hear this. Is I just want to uh, I want to kind of see it not assuming that it's going to break the mold. I think, and, I, and right. I told Miles this, I think the thing was if there's a little ding, and maybe it, it won't be there this time and I'll, and I'll give it like, because I'm on like a high three stars right now. Maybe I'll sure. end up three and a half next time by the time I write the review because it does feel like Taika Waititi doing Marvel. Okay. But it feels a little less special because Ragnarok was such a, like, like you said, break the mold. And this right. one, I don't think it's breaking the mold. I think it's it's irreverent in, in the same way and, and has the same, like, there are big stakes here, but it's all done in a way that you, you, you there are stakes and I do think, like, there are potential for, for things and there are permanent changes to the MCU from here, but it is very much self-contained. But, um, you know, like, last time, it, Ragnarok also included, like, the destruction of, of their society. Correct. You know, um, this one has the potential uh, destruction of the gods as an entity. Like, there are there are big things, but they're, they're caked within... Um, this like winky silliness that I think is very good for the material, mm-hmm. but doesn't feel like a oh my god I've never seen this before. This this feels like oh okay this is the thing I like in a way 
I know some people who don't like this product as much will, will take issue, but in a way that like Deadpool 2, I also really like, but Deadpool was such a different thing to me. And Deadpool 2 is that thing that I liked the first time done again, just a little different. Yeah, that's, to that. that's exactly right. And that doesn't mean that it's not great because it is. There's really great parts of it. I think. There's oh yeah, really, no, there's some, it's, some big it's, laughs. Oh, it's hilarious. Taika is the, really the, good at also like tugging at the heartstrings. Like, look at yeah, yeah. Jo- there's, there's, I, look there's at Jojo Joe Rabbit. Like, one of one of the greatest scenes I've ever seen in my life was when the the entire he sees his mom. Um, like that, he has yeah. he has the ability to have these like gut punching moments, and there is totally. a few of those. But I, yeah, yeah, it just it. I don't know if it it didn't miss anything. I just no, need no, to no. see it again knowing what happened and i think i'll yeah. love it i think i'll actually like, love it that's totally fair i um i yeah everything involving zeus is great uh, oh my god he's so good I, I i love his threat to thor if you don't stop you're not going to be invited to the orgy um <laughs> oh yeah it's, it's so sticky oh my god the goats are you kidding me the goats are great the goat as someone said on twitter the goats are the goat yeah 100 um, Russell Crowe leaning so hard into like the silliness of Zeus as a character here, and like I guess using the, oh my god the accent using using like the orgy as a threat, and then when he gets up close, being like, "Listen, you can still come to the orgy." Like it's very like it's very goofy. Um, Christian Bale is is creepy. I think it's 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 kind of a Marvel villain. At the end of the day, there's nothing like wildly different about him. It is funny that this like really. Um, like potentially horrific and dark villain is in this movie. But, right. You know, you know what else work. I was thinking a lot about after, like two days after the reason why maybe it didn't hit as hard for me. This is the first Thor movie without Loki. That's true. Spo- spoiler I mean, alert. Look, spoiler Loki alert. I don't know if I can say that, but yeah, yeah. I think people are, are kind of, yeah. In the same but, way. Thor is not in, not in the Loki show. You know what the, you had, the one thing I didn't like was, uh, you're you're right about the not having that dynamic changes things a little bit. I mean, honestly, his dynamic is with Mjolnir and uh, Stormbreaker instead. Like that's so his, good, so good. His thing, which Miles, you'll like. He has kind of a love triangle with his two weapons, both so of good. which are kind of jealous of each other. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, um, but um, the one and, thing I didn't love was the the shadow creature things that um, Gore uh, releases. They what did um, you like about it. They're just kind of like a CGI mush that doesn't matter. I mean, then they're kind of like designed that way. They're just Oof. distractions in a way. Well, well, like right. Gore goes about his business, but they they show up like three separate times. And at a certain point I was like, I, I, I'm good on this. Also, they're kind of like spidery and I'm not really into that, but that's, that's a smaller issue. It was more just like, this is like faceless henchman kind of thing. Sure. Um, which just, in a movie that's not particularly long, it's like under an hour fifty, I think, or an hour fifty even, or something like that. Like, yeah, it was an hour fifty nine, I believe. Yeah, it was under two hours. If you're clearly trying to tell a tight story, you don't need to do that. Um, other than that, very, very good. I, um, I, I will say, as soon as we got to Zeus, that's when I started to get really into it. Yeah, there's there's a wee bit of like like the, the stuff with the guardians. That, their cameo. It, it, it was honestly, yeah, that was that wasn't even needed. It was, yeah, I told for, like toy sake, like for, to yeah, stop Funko Pop. I, th- I think I told Miles that like I don't think Taika signed up for that, and that was like, oh, this is where the story is now. Do what you want, but 
by the way, he's a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy right now. And he went, right. All right. So the first thing we're going to do is get rid of him from the Guardians of the Galaxy. All right. Right. Can we do that in like 10 pages? Great. Okay. Now we're on to our adventure. Correct. Um, And I will say, before we move on, actually, Miles, you can ask whatever you want, but the first credit scene is very, very good. Not because it does anything super crazy, because it introduces a future potential character, but the the casting of said character, I think, oh, will get a very my good reaction out of people. God, I actually lost my shit. It's not even like a left field. It's like from another sport. It's... <laughs> Is it like Bruce Springsteen or something? Like, what are we talking it's here? Not, yes, it, it is but the it, boss. But it's, it's, it's similar in that I think this is a person you would never in a million years assume to be in the MCU, let alone playing this character. It's genius. It is absolute genius. I'm very I, I'm very curious. I don't, I don't want it spoiled, but I'm very intrigued. No. I, will say, very, I will say, hmm? speaking of like this person's casting, Marvel... Is Dread very Lally. much like what? What, what have to Dread Lally about? Just, Marvel, just like the Harry Potter universe, not the uh, Fantastic Beast universe, has ninety-eight percent of the time nailed their casting. Like mm-hmm. I go back and I look at them, like, yeah, they are perfect for this role. This person, especially Ezra Sir, Miller, right? Well, that's why I said not Fantastic Beast. <laughs> but, so, uh, like, if you look at uh, Dame Maggie Smith. I look at Alan Rickman. I cannot think of a more perfect role for them. Uh, sure. You know, Robert Downey Jr. And they recast uh, Mark Ruffalo. Like, it's all... Those two universes cast perfectly. And I think yeah. that this new character is going to be up there with, like, just the best they've ever done. Sure, if they if they pursue this. Which they don't they have, have to. to. No, they, they will. I think they will, but they, they don't have, have to. to. Well, same with, like... Um, what was it? Um, at the end of Guardians Two, you know, they obviously they didn't introduce the actor playing Adam Warlock, but they they set it up as like Adam Warlock, but they didn't have to tell an Adam Warlock story. In the same way that what's um, who's uh fucking Harry Styles playing in Eternals? Oh, uh, Eros, uh, Thanos's brother. Thanos's brother. Yeah, yeah, like he could be in the next thing, but does he have to be? Not but he will be. Yeah, yeah, same with all these like well, big introduction we'll cameos. Wait and see if Eternals gets a sequel first. <laughs> well, there's that also. Um, yeah. I will say this is the this is the only mild spoiler I will share is the film does end with the credit thing with a um, line of uh, on the screen that says Thor will return. So they are not done with him just yet. Um, also, not a big spoiler because I think Taika has said like, yeah, I'd be open to doing more. And Chris Hemsworth is like, yeah, as long as it's different, I'm open to doing more. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, also, Miles, you want to you want to ask anything before we move on? I mean, I do, but I don't want to ruin anything for myself. Um, I mean, we can answer anything off air if you want, but anything safe for the listeners? Um, no, I mean, I'm just, I'm very excited to see it in a week and a half or whatever it is. Cool. Um, before we wrap up with sort of a little best of the year, um, uh, best of the year so far, I want to introduce Max to the Arm <gasps> White to the Arm and White game. Tell me. All right. So I prepped you a little bit. The readers know. Yep. Arm and White, contrarian film critic. You're going to guess whether or not Armin White liked it. Uh, Armin, <laughs> uh, Armin uh, White or wrong, sometimes we thought about, but like we're worried that was kind of like a, a MAGA style <laughs> thing, so we didn't go that way. But here, yeah, we'll give you a, 
give you a test run. Um, oh, God. Miles, Max, did Armin White, like, drive my car? Oh, no way in hell, surely. If if this person is, uh, is what you say they are, I'm a... You know what? Yes. Right. But I'm a, the, the, the correct answer is probably no, but I feel like this might be a trick one, so I'm going to say yes. I mean, he's got an interesting uh, rationale, so this could work out for you. Um, Armin White says, I'm reluctant to hand, hand Hamaguchi Chekhovian laurels because his measured oh style God. feels like Chekhov when <laughs> done poorly. Drive my car is the opposite of lively. So now you've got it. It's word salad. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's exhausting. Um, what and like, Armin... from listening to that, you're not even a hundred percent sure which way he ended up going. No, and exactly. that's what it, what. Uh, oh my god! I, sometimes people are just. Some people just want to watch the world burn. Yep. Uh, did Armin White like Red Rocket? Uh... That feels like a movie this person would like. So yeah, yes, maybe I'm going to say yes as well. Red Rocket would seem dehumanizing and despicable if not for Rex's three-dimensional portrait of Mikey's outlawry, <gasps> flaunting headbanger stupidity, misused charm, and misguided talents to full effect. Wait. He did like it, apparently. I, are Joey, you sure? How, Joey, how do you feel about your favorite movie of last year being one that he approved of? I mean, I love it, but we'll uh, we'll continue on. Um, did Armin White like Don't Look Up? Yes. No. He says, the film's negativity indicts McKay and insults his audience. Keep in mind, it's a left-wing movie, so of course he was not going to like it. Oh, right, I forgot. Yeah. I'm trying to Did think Armin... if he would like the, the thing that film critics tend to not... Well, that's the mean. thing. He is contrarian with that. Also, he has some very hardcore, like, I don't like um, anything, quote-unquote, woke um, or uh, particularly fond of Hillary Clinton. That seems to be his some of his bags. Um, to that end, did Armin White like licorice pizza? No way. Again, I'm just going to say yes. This is easily the American eccentric's best film <laughs> because his usual <laughs> indie movie flaws, obscure themes cynical perspective and technical showing off he still manages to rag on on pta are mitigated by a rare relatable narrative nothing more relatable than this narrative but uh, (laughs) i uh, it's impressive the way he um words things that's that's the fun of this game Uh, Wow. did armin white like parallel mothers no, because it's no. not in English. All right. Um, Parallel Mothers is Almodovar's most pompous and unconvincingly political film. Oh, my God. Yeah. Did Armin White like The Harder They Fall? Uh, probably not. No. The Harder They Fall confirms there's no honor in performing garbage with relish. Oh, my goodness. Um, did Armin White like Woody Allen's Rifkin's Festival? Yes. Yes. You said Woody Allen, so I'm assuming yes. 
It all feels exhausted because it's false. Instead of another routine foray into casual adultery as a metric of modern morality, there should have been a scabrous satire on cinema's decline and hypocrisy's ascendance. He didn't like it. He also, I I don't... I couldn't tell. I I have no idea if this man likes... Is he a man? I mean, I've seen the... Yes, I've seen the movie, and I don't know that he's seen the movie. I don't... Does he just, like, look up dictionary words? It's very possible. Um, Did Armin White like the worst person in the world? Uh, I'm sure he didn't like seeing the mirror up to himself, so no. Mm. I would agree. Smug Julie is no every girl like (laughs) Diane Keaton's Annie Hall. He even compares it to Woody Allen there. She's a standard bearer, running an emotional gamut without charm. You know how much he just wanted to say, like, woke girl like he just mm-hmm. wanted to make it about like you know stop waving your tampon and go get pregnant like he you know he's not unhappy about the politics of the last week i would imagine okay. um did armin white like king richard no. no king richard creates a cliche not a character <laughs> did armin white like being the ricardos yes no. Well, he, he goes hard here. Um, oh, the, and he goes, the West Wing TV hack, Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> oh, my the God. One thing, the globe, like, even if you don't like Aaron Sorkin right now, the one thing everyone agrees, like, when he was writing the West Wing, that was some of the best television out there. Who wrote and directed the film, scuttles Kidman's insight into Ball's intelligence and competitiveness through his usual political posturing. Nothing like women wanting rights in that movie. Did Armin White like Cyrano? No. I feel like it was like a... Uh... You can't use no. normal no. human logic on this guy. Yeah, that's why I, I, I can't even think. I'm just going to start saying yes or no. Well, you've been listening to Steve when he plays this game. Um, Wright aims to impress, but his flamboyance and foundering romanticism Miss the mark. Uh, you know, because the movie's romanticism misses the mark. Did Armin White like the Batman? Surely not. Sh- yeah, I'm going to say sure. Okay. Um, for bonus points, what movie, what 100-year-old movie does he reference in this poll quote? Cabinet of Dr. Caligari? I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, Metropolis? I don't even know how old that is. I mean, you guys are both on the right track. Coming exactly 100 years after F.W. Murnau's still disturbing Nosferatu, the oh. Batman doesn't earn being called artistic decadence. I didn't know that it was <laughs> planning on it. Um, its depiction of social horror isn't fully imagined. It never gets to the core of spiritual repulsion that Murnau touched. Is he because seriously that's what they were going for? Is he seriously saying the Batman's not good because it doesn't live up to F.W. Moretnow's fucking Nosferatu from Yes, because it's not Nosferatu. Yep. Jesus. Christ. I mean, that's, that was that was my first thought when I watched the Batman. Yep. Did Armin White like passing? There's no way. There's no way. Irish-Ethiopian actress Nega crafts the year's most original characterization. What? Dot, I dot, don't dot. understand. Dot, dot, dot. Nega's genuine emotion transcends passing and it's almost total inauthenticity. 
Oh, there it is. So even when he likes it, he doesn't like it. So he, I don't. So the here's the thing about this game. <laughs> I don't think he likes or dislikes. He just says shit. It's not. He does not have an opinion. It's just oh, you crack the code. Yeah, it's just like he just kind of lives in his own little world of not yes, not no. It's just like here's just like some fun words for you. Mm-hmm. Did Armin White like flee? There's no, no way. There's, it's about a, there's about Max a gay man. Max has caught on so quickly to this game. It's great. There's no way. Um, it's a gay man. It takes us further away from the necessary realism of documentaries that present fact. What Ziga Vertov called life caught unaware, Flea epitomizes how our information stream suffers from the combination of fantasy and propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> Did Armin White like the tragedy of Macbeth? Probably not. Yes. It fits right in with the new anti-art orthodoxy. It's as if Cohen <laughs> and how many others were afraid to truly touch our imagination. Mm. The anti-art orthodoxy. My God. Yep. Sounds great in the National Review, doesn't it? <sighs> Did Armin White like Memoria? Which movie? Memoria, the um, oh. uh, Archer, I, I can't pronounce the name. He calls himself Joe. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got Tilda Swinton. Yeah, yeah. It's the most tedious movie right. I've watched all year. No, I, so. didn't, I just didn't hear it. I miss... Oh. Miles? I mean, I hated it, so I'm guessing he loved it. Max? Sure. I'll say he loved it, but it's, it doesn't matter because it's just his own world. Uh, I'm going to say Joe instead of his name because that's what he says to call people. Joe's majestic spectacle moves us an artistic distance away from junk culture. So did, did he so, like it? Did, yeah. I guess. I, I, I don't... Uh, did He did would. Armin White, yep. Did Armin White like the eyes of Tammy Faye? Yes. I don't know. There's some. There's some big feelings for like the left i don't know mm. but they're like religious fundamentalists in a way so maybe i know that. but it kind of leaves you think feeling bad for someone who has aids shame on them mm. Mm. how dare they um he says chastain and garfield are canny actors but these characterizations veer between pathos and ridicule each might as well be wearing outsized masks to make Brechtian farce of Christianity as greedy, <laughs> materialistic, and sexually perverse. You know, things that Christianity is Oh, yeah. Not. Who, who would ever come up with those ideas? Yeah. Did Armin White like Father Stew? Yes. Sure. Keep in mind, this is a movie with Mark Wahlberg as a priest and Mel Gibson as his father. Oh, absolutely. Armin White says, instead of bucking for... Instead of Bucking for prizes, Father Stu earns serious attention for being the most emotionally satisfying American movie in years. Its standout qualities expose how secular and unsatisfying contemporary film culture has recently become. I mean, I can't even say that second person's name because he makes me puke. But he's part of the most emotional film in years, apparently. That's great. I had oatmeal for breakfast. Totally. <laughs> uh, Did, I don't know what the big religious movie of this year is going to be at this point, but whatever it is. One? Well, I'm, I was going to say whatever it is, this is going to show up on his better than list. Totally. Compared to that. Um, or whatever the um, 
hard left like political issue movie is. He's going to compare the two. Um, did Armin White like the unbearable weight of massive talent? No, because it's good. Yes, because it's amazing. The unbearable weight of massive talent is a collision of generic formula celebrity gossip and the amnesia that results from popular culture's decline. I should have said no because it's too good of a title to... It's easy to make fun of the title, so I feel like he would go for that. I love that he says celebrity gossip when the person that's being gossiped about is in the movie. Correct. Did Armin White like The Northman? There's no way. Miles? Well, I, I, I don't. Yes. This is the hardest one yet for you, is it? It, it kind of is, because like logic says he shouldn't like it. But it also there's a couple of things in it where I'm like, maybe this is the one where, you know, he connects to it for some weird, stupid reason. Uh-huh. Like like the female should like be the person who just takes care of the child kind of thing. I mean, that's just thought processes he has, apparently. Um, The Northman. That's the sickness of that thought. Well, as if to make this harder for you, I'm going to read it in moments. The Northman isn't exactly a triumph, comma, (laughs) but with its many knockout moments, comma, it represents a big step forward for the youngish director, Robert Eggers, comma, who for the first time has a big budget to work with. Well, there it's you like have it. Like he was at it. gunpoint writing it. There yeah, you so have it. I think he liked it. Yeah. Um, did Armin White like Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy, the other Hamaguchi movie? No. No. As with uh, Nitram and Father Stew, Hamaguchi's cast joins mm. this year's extraordinary exhibition of vivid, revealing characterizations. This is real culture, not fake culture. Hamaguchi discovers the human touch, so he, he's criticizing one Hamaguchi movie with his other one. Incredible. That's, that's honestly impressive. Yeah. Um, for future, for side note, we don't have to do this one, but he did like uh, Nitrom, the Justin Kurzel movie about the, the New Zealand uh, shooter. That's um, Kill Landry Jones. I just figured that one's a little small for, uh, for this one. Uh-huh. Did Armin White like Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness? No. There's no way. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is too jumbled and over-anxious for coherent amusement. Hard to believe that Marvel is still churning out this garbage so long after... Just wait for this. Man of Steel rooted its characters to humane instinct throughout time. Fuck wait off. A second. What? Fuck off. <laughs> wait, can you I say that even, Man of Steel thing again? I don't even hate Man of Steel, but that's way off. He says, hard to believe that Marvel is still churning out this garbage... So long after Man of Steel rooted its characters to humane instinct throughout time. So because Kevin Costner was like, don't save people and and I'll die (laughs) to keep your secret. That's humane characterization. I will say, I love Man of Steel. I I, I I I do too, but like, fucking hell. (laughs) But but what? That's not an accurate read of that movie. This one, this one, I don't know if it's gonna, this is either the easiest one or the hardest one yet. Did Armin White like men? Oh, this is the hardest one yet. Yeah. I'm going to uh, say yes because you just said it was the hardest one yet. But the, to debate again, this is my first time hearing of this person. I never want to hear this person's name again. And 
logic says he should hate it. Right? Yeah. I'm going to say he does not like it. All right. Despite its hallucinatory finale, so you don't know where it's going yet, men is not really an examination of spousal guilt or women's fearful psychology. Plus, it's too absurd to substantiate the media's fascination with toxic masculinity. He just punted on saying whether he liked it or not. He just wanted to dunk on toxic masculinity. Well, that's the thing. Half of these are sometimes just whatever hot button issue he feels like talking about and awkwardly shoehorning in a movie review around that. Yep. Kind of. Like he kind of puts in his like review. of oh, it. Yeah, yeah. No, like it, there's like lip service, but that's it. It's this one. I think honestly impressive. Yeah. It, I mean, it's performance art is what it is. Um, this one may be a little hard also. Did Armin White like Top Gun Maverick? No. So on the one hand, everyone it, likes it, and that's problematic for him. But on the other hand, it's pretty authoritarian, as, and, and he does like that. It's uh, a good point. I, I just, we all love Top Gun Maverick. No one's, no one's saying we don't. But it is kind of funny that we all love the movie that's just like straight-up military propaganda. Yeah, but not and we as all much just as kind the, of accept not it. as much as the first one. No, no, no. Right. They 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 got better at like we're not actively recruiting people out of this movie as they were last time. I'm gonna I'm gonna say no. I'm also gonna say no. It illustrates Cruz's showmanly sense that maybe Americans desperately want to believe in themselves again. While the latest James Bond movies fail at heroism. Cruz's action films present a credible sense of valor. He's doing oh. the recruitment for the movie. Wow. Oh. It, you know what this review made me think of? It made me think of that Simpsons episode where Bart and his friends become a boy band, and it turns out they're just recruiting for the Navy. <laughs> that's Armin White is just recruiting for the Navy. But see, that's that's the exactly what I'm talking about. It's like when he does like a movie, he likes it for stupid reasons. Yep. Two more. Did Armin White like Lightyear? No. No. There's nothing new in Lightyear. It's the latest Hollywood mind control. <laughs> mind control. That's good. Yep. And finally, Armin White, like Elvis. Yes. Which I don't think we talked about last week, right? No, we don't need to. Mm, uh... Yeah. <laughs> No. This shameless cultural jumble might make some kind of crazy sense for anyone who still thinks Presley the figurehead of pop vulgarity. That position has many successors, and Lerman is one of them. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, Quickly on Elvis, I I I was I didn't love it. Um, Austin Butler's very good. And I actually like Tom Hanks doing his wild, like, weird, big, going big thing. My main issue is where I don't care about the Colonel. And if your movie is Elvis and it's a biopic of Elvis, maybe, like, focus on Elvis a little bit and maybe tell us a little bit about Elvis. And I learned nothing about Elvis. I learned more about the Colonel. And I still learned very little about the Colonel. Um, That was my main issue with it. It's all sound and fury signifying nothing, which, welcome to a Baz Luhrmann movie. But... Aside from the musical sequences, which are very well done, and, and Austin Butler is a very good Elvis, it just, it, it feels like it just 
desperate to distract you from the fact that it doesn't have anything interesting to say about Elvis besides like flashy like it's Elvis if you just want like a flashy like I, I feel like if you liked Bohemian Rhapsody Max did you like Bohemian Rhapsody I loved it oh well, I'm sorry I'm insulting you for a minute oh, um, totally fine if you if that's your type of movie and it's like I just want to sort of be entertained by like the movie about the musician I like and to hear some of their music this does that but in terms of like if I want a like look at this person it's not interested. In the same way, I don't think Bohemian Rhapsody was particularly interested. In the same way, I think Rocket Man was only vaguely interested. Most of these, like, cradle to the grave type biopics are not super interested in teaching you anything about them. Not that you need to teach, but, like, why was Elvis important besides, like, being told he's important? You know, a lot of these movies tell you as opposed to show you. And Elvis is kind of one of those. Mm. In any event, Miles will never see it. No, yeah, I've already made my point that I have zero interest in watching it. That said, Kelly mm. did watch it without me, and she said it was fine. So yeah, it's it's thoroughly fine. Like it's not a bad movie, but it's just Tom Hanks going evil, kind of like Austin Butler doing a real good job. Like Baz Luhrmann should be the right person to make an Elvis movie. It's telling that Baz Luhrmann shows up five times on the poster as a credited writer and director, five separate times, I believe. Actually, mm-hmm. I, counting the a Baz Luhrmann film directed by Baz Luhrmann screenplay by Baz Luhrmann and someone story by Baz Luhrmann and someone and Baz Luhrmann and someone it's wild which means this this kept getting rewritten so whatever they had I feel like might have gotten lost in translation um so let's wrap up by oh, focusing oh, real on quick, real quick go uh just going back to Armand White I did have one yes. that I'm just I'm I'm very curious uh what did you think of Morbius I don't think he reviewed it. Okay, because if he did, I had a hunch that that would be like, he'd be like, oh, this is the superhero movie of the year. Um, Let's let's get him on the phone. Actually, wait, 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 wait. He didn't put it on Rotten Tomatoes? But it might be. I just pulled up the National Review. No, Kyle Smith, almost as bad, reviewed it. Uh, Um, He never reviewed it. He'll he'll save it for his better than list. Yeah, it'll it'll be like better than the Batman or whatever. Yeah, yeah, or or um, Thor, or no, no, no. I've got it. It's going to be better than Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Oh, that that's, hurts. That's me. what he's going to do. That hurts mark me to it, think about. Mark it down. Um, what I wanted to say is, we're going to wrap up by looking back on the first half of the year. Uh, my article goes up tomorrow, Friday. Um, but I will share a little bit. But let's have you guys do it, um, Max. Since you're, you're, I think people don't always know what you think of things as much, mainly because you largely keep it positive. I don't think we. We hear a ton about the things that you don't like, but yeah. um, that's cool. Um, nothing <laughs> wrong with that. No, listen, I don't – aside from when I talk about it on the podcast and if I have to write a review, I largely don't say anything about what I don't like. I – you know, in the last year or two, I've gotten very much into the like it, – it's it doesn't do anything for me to shit on a movie unnecessarily. Like, yeah, um, it's, not, it's not good for your soul. Um, it doesn't make publicists like you more, which not that I need to be liked, but like, you know. There, there's some degree of having to play nice with others in this line of work. And also, like, I could write about something else that I liked or, like, write about something mm-hmm. I already saw. That, like, there's, there's other avenues. Now, there was notably one exception last year, and that was Roe v. Wade, because that movie was legitimately dangerous, as we've now fucking learned. Shish. Um, so I think I should have been even harsher in that one, but was also preaching to convert it there. But, my, uh, Max, do you want to give us, like, your top five of the year? And if there's Definitely. like a specific something or other that stood out to you, and then Miles, you can do yours. Yeah. Um, 
so I need to see Lightyear again because my five and six are Lightyear and turning red. And I don't okay. know which one I'm going to have in front. Just straight so, up Pixar. Yeah, Pixar is my everything. Like I, again, my life revolves around Marvel and Pixar. Unfortunately, my Marvel movies have not made my top five. It's seven and eight right now, but that's okay. okay. Um, number four is Top Gun Maverick. Okay. Um, one of the my favorite experiences I had. It was just so damn good. Loved it. Um, number three, which might move to number two. I watched, I watched this and I said, this might be in my top 50 favorite movies of all time. And that was the unbearable weight of massive talent. I absolutely adored it. And I'm a big Nicholas Cage defender. People say that he does the same thing every time. I don't care. I have a great time with him. Number two, the Batman, because it's freaking amazing. And number one, as I'm sure no one is surprised, my number 11 favorite movie ever. Everything, mm-hmm. everywhere, all at once. Nice. Nice. Miles? Uh, yeah, um... I also like Massive Talent. That actually recently got pushed out of the top five, so that's at my number six right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, special shout out, and yeah, Nick Cage can do no wrong in my book. Um, uh, I could show you some movies where he did wrong. I've seen enough of his movies to already know what you're talking about. I still love him. You know what? Have you read the book yet? The book. Age of Cage? No, but it's on my list. I just finished it. It's pretty good. It did remind me how many of his movies I've seen and completely forgotten about. Like, I know for a fact I have seen and own The Runner. The one where he's like a, a Louisiana politician, like a sex scandal, and he has that re- really wild Cajun accent in it. I cannot tell you one thing about that movie beyond what I just told you. But I know I've seen it. There's a lot of that. Interesting. Well, right, he's, he's still national treasure. Sure. Uh, my number five. Book of Secrets. Both are perfect. So my number five is uh, Crimes of the Future. Uh, right. I adore this one. I actually rewatched it yesterday. Yeah, yeah yesterday. Um, and yeah, I think it's it's lovely to see David Cronenberg back in fine form. It's not necessarily one of his best, but it's kind of up there for me. Uh, you know, the body horror stuff is, is great. It's got three great performances at the center mm-hmm. of it. Um, it's very funny and very satirical, but also sure. has something to say about, you know, the state of the world and the state of society right now. It came in at number 36 for me. Hmm. Uh, different strokes for different folks then. Yeah. Um, Max, you and I have the same number four, which is Top Gun Maverick. Uh, yes. one of the most purely entertaining movies of the year easily. Yep. Uh, classic, classic old school blockbuster stuff. Like, yep. and just so much more effective than the original in every way. It's kind of mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. My number three is the Batman, uh, which, you know, I've waxed poetic on here for a while. You whacked? I, I waxed. Oh, I've, I mean, listen, <laughs> get your mind I mean, out of the gutter. Uh, different no, for different folks. Yeah, there it is. But I'm um, no, I, I, I absolutely adore it. It's everything I've ever wanted in a Batman movie. It's a great detective story. It's got some horror elements. All the performances are perfect. It's just, it's everything I wanted it to be and more. Uh, my number two is RRR. 
Uh, this may be one of the most entertaining movies I've ever seen, period. Uh, oh. I recently showed it to my grandparents who, you know, it was kind of a, you know, 70, 30 shot leaning negative that they were yeah. not going to be into it. They were they were cheering. They were like, you know, moving along to the dance numbers. They were eating it up. This is a movie. How that, hesitant were they to watch a three hour and change movie? Uh, they were actually pretty open to it because they watch a lot of like old like war movies or like your Lawrence of Arabia. Okay, so they were just like, we're, we're not going anywhere anyway today. Like, this yeah, is what we're doing. they were just like, oh, yeah, we'll just start early. So, no, they're, hmm. they're, they're pretty good about that kind of thing. But, yeah, it's. You know, it's 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 an absolute blast. It's a movie I recommend to everyone and anyone who will listen. I will I will get to it very soon. Um, it's actually started coming up on all the podcasts I listen to. I feel like everyone since it hit Netflix is starting to watch it. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's funny. So I did a um, an article on um, uh, the top fu- or the top ten scenes from it for Looper. Yeah, and like that same week, like three other articles with basically the exact same premise came out from a bunch of other sites, including all one all different ten. Well, no, that's the thing. One of them, with one exception, was like beat for beat the same as my list. <laughs> um, but then other ones kind of mixed it up a little bit. Or, well, I have the, I remember I have that tweet that I showed. My so my my best friend, his wife is is Indian. I actually that's where I was in India for for their wedding. And I've uh, she'll watch occasionally like a Bollywood movie, and he and I'll play like you know Rocket League or something like that. But I've been trying to get her to show it to him as like their compromise movie, and. I sent that tweet that somebody had of like, here's a clip of this guy throwing a leopard at someone and the leopard performs like a luchador move on, on the guy. And it's the 30th best thing in the movie. Yep. That's about right. So yeah, if that's mm-hmm. not even make it everyone's list, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and everyone seems to love like that. There's like a dance sequence at a party or something. That's very Oh good. my God. It's like the best dance sequence in cinematic history. It's excellent. It's <laughs> stunning. And it's all the I more will... amazing because the movie does nothing to prepare you for the fact that there's mm-hmm. a big dance sequence coming up until that point. I will I will potentially watch it this weekend, if not in the next week or two. I will finally get when I when I when I sit down on my couch and don't plan on getting up for a while, it's either gonna be RRR or Obi Wan. Oh yeah. Yeah, Obi Wan's fine. Um, and then my number one, uh, also the same as Max, um, this one also broke into my favorite films of all time list. Um, I'm going to play around with it, but right now it's at number two, which is pretty incredible considering how recent it is. Um, but it's everything everywhere all at once. It's a stone cold masterpiece. Every single thing about it is perfect. No notes. Yes. Hmm. God, Um, you made my day. (laughs) <laughs> I will I will tell you guys my top 10 and then everyone will be able to read it on Friday. Um, honorable mention number 11, Apollo 10 and a half. I still need to see that. That looks good. I so started good. it and I couldn't get into it. So I, I'll, I'll give it another. Try. Yeah, you got to just like sit with it. I, I literally this is going to I saw it. I watched it the night I got the day after I got broken up with, I believe. Or like two days after or something like that. No, it was because it was Monday or Tuesday because Sunday was the Oscars. It was the first like post Oscar movies I watched and like not in the mood to watch anything. Just needed something on my eyelids so I didn't, you know, like jump off the terrace type thing. And and it works like at a certain point it it lulls you into this like I feel like this is the non evil version of what like you hear about from these 
right-wing people, but like a better time. You know what they mean. They mean a whiter time. They mean like, you know, that kind of thing. But this is, I think, the like good version of a better time. Like the idea of like, if you were 10 years old in 1969 in Houston, there's plenty of shit that would be bad about that. But the idea of like just being a kid and you were like, you know, the idea of like your family being like, go play, get out of the house. Don't come back for a couple hours. And that was an okay thing right. to do because it was safe. And then at the same time, like NASA was about to launch something in the space. Like all of that, it, it, it eventually like wafts into you. Um, I think you just have to like sit with it. And if you don't, it's hard. Um, another one that I, I'll mention, I feel like it's going to just sort of come and go and no one's going to care about it. It was called 892 when I saw it at Sundance, but it's called Breaking now. Um, it is actually the final performance by um, uh, Michael K. Williams in a supporting role. But this is John Boyega, um, Nicole Bahari. Um it's the story of Brian Brown Easley. He was a veteran and his disability check stopped coming and he couldn't figure out what was going on. And like the VA wasn't like helping um, particularly. And he has like a daughter and like he's about to lose his home. So essentially he goes into a Wells Fargo bank and says, I have a bomb because he's just got nothing else, nowhere else to turn. And it's this like heartbreaking true story. Michael K. Williams is the like hostage negotiator type guy who's, talking him down but is a also also is a soldier and is talking to him as like you know sir that you're you know you're better than this. like essentially saying like you should eat like you know you're better than 892 dollars kind of thing and like if you know the true story you know what happens but it is this like incredibly moving incredibly heartbreaking frustrating story about like how we let people fall through the cracks uh you know a real upper so my top 10 number 10 pleasure um, I don't know that I'll ever watch it again. Yep, me it is too. A very hardcore movie in many senses of the word, but is like as honest a movie about that world as there will be, and is also entertaining. Like it's not punishing. There are scenes that are punishing, but it is a it is you know, I, it's just a very specific like making it in Hollywood type movie. And I the think the woman um, who plays the lead is Sophia extraordinary. Cabell. Oh my yeah. goodness, she's brilliant. She's great, and I and I don't remember the name of the girl who is the the friend, the sort of uh, wilder friend. I think Zelda. her name is Joy in the movie. Yeah, Zelda I think she had a different Morrison. name. I guess I guess she is now an adult film actress, um, I but know. I didn't know that she was at the time. But she's very good. She was an excellent supporting character mm-hmm. in just like that. T- I, they all feel like real people. I mean, many of them are real yeah. porn stars. I mean, this movie has a person named Chris Cock in a central role. <laughs> so um, know that going in. But it is a very honest and, and moving. And like, I mean, I'm quoted all over the advertising of this movie. It's even a little sweet, even though it's like ends in a fairly dark place, but not like unrealistic. It's not one of these like cautionary tales. It's more just like, this is what happens. You want to be a star? This is becoming a star. Um if I do watch it again, I think it might even move up a little bit. I'm tempted to move it up a little bit. Um, uh, Miles won't like this one. My number nine is Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Yeah. At the same time, I don't know that I want to watch this one again to see if it moves down. We'll see. I, I will probably end up revisiting it, and we'll see. Uh, my number eight is The Batman. My number seven is Fresh. We just discussed that. Uh, my number six is actually Scream. I saw that one twice. Mm. I actually thought that was really witty and fun, and I'm here for the next one. Um, but now we're into my top five where we have, um, some similarities, let's say, um, my number five is hustle. 
Adam Sandler is so good in Hustle. And it's just a really solid sports movie. While being, like, kind of a funny Adam Sandler movie, but also a, like, solid sports drama. Way better than it... I wouldn't even say way better than it has any right to be. But just anyone who has been, like, I wish Adam Sandler would use this, like, unlimited Netflix money they give him to make, like, the little stuff that they're not... that no one's paying for, apparently. This is closer to that. And it's it's so good. Oscar for the Sandman Part 2, even though it won't happen. Uh, my number four is The Adam Project. Huh. Yeah, I, I, I maintain that that was a lot of... Um, I saw it on the big screen, which is a little rare. Um, I've seen a surprising amount of Netflix movies on the big screen. I saw Spiderhead on the on the big screen, too. Um, but being wholly unprepared for the emotional wallop of the end of The Adam Project, the like, kind of like um, feel the dreams aspect of it all, uh-huh. hit me. Um, another one that I'm sure if I watched it again, it will it will move. But I, I for at least for the moment, want to leave it where it is. There's plenty of stuff still to come. Like... I don't know that any of those movies will make my year-end top ten, put it that way. There's a possibility that Hustle can hang on, just because that's a movie you could watch a million times. And I'm almost tempted to, like, see what happens at the end of the year if I watch Pleasure again, just to be like, I want that movie to be remembered. But I would say that the next three are probably going to remain. My number three is The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Yes. Which was my number one for a while. Um, It's great. It's perfect for what it's doing. And, uh, doesn't need to be anything more than it is. My number two is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yes. I came to it late because, as, as uh, Miles knows and as many people know, like it, I was out of town for like the first wave of press screenings and then I was uh, depressed for the second wave, so it just didn't happen for a while. I finally got around to it. It is as good as advertised. I have the smallest of quibbles here and there, but like that's fine. The movie doesn't have to be stone cold perfect for me. Um you know, I, I, yeah, everything people love about it, I love about it too. I, I would have spent an entire movie with the with the raccoon, frankly, <laughs> raccoonie. And yeah, and I will say that when he was getting taken away by animal control, I was like, if that's the end of of that of that character story, I'm docking it a half star because I, I can't have I that. Blame you. Yeah, I can't have that character like go to animal control. Yeah. Um, but I love that there's redemption for for that character as well, um, and the fact that it's it's childish and dirty, which I think is is what may hold it back at the end of the day from some of the award stuff people talk about. But is part of what I think gives it its special sauce is it's still the Daniels being like, well, her uh, her statue is going to be a butt plug, and there's a fight scene involving dildos, and you know there's a sex dungeon. Perfect. Like, yeah, they're they're still like we're we're children. Like it's important to you for you guys to know we're still children, but we're demented wild children. <laughs> um, and my number one is Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, this movie is literally why you go to the movies. It's I, like yeah, it's hyperbole when we talk about oh Tom Cruise saved cinema. He didn't save cinema, but he sure did seem to make a movie about Tom Cruise saving cinema. <laughs> like like that movie can be read. As Tom Cruise, as 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 Maverick is Tom Cruise, the actor, you know, I'm here because I'm the guy who does this the best. No one does this like me, like, you know, but even if you don't want to do that and you want to watch it like a complete um, imbecile, which, listen, that's how I want to watch movies most of the time. I wish I could turn my brain off. It's still just like Miles said, the best version of this movie. Um, that tweet out there that's like Top Gun Maverick is what if Top Gun was good is is very accurate. Like. This is just a great movie. 
And, and you know what, if this is the like mainstream blockbuster entertainment that slips into best picture by the end of the day, as like the compromise that eventually we know it's going to happen eventually that enough of the Academy is going to like kind of bend to the, the ABC, like we need ratings and you just hope it's not lesser fair. If this is the one that it is, I'm not going to have an issue at all. I don't think anyone else really will either. Yeah, it's it's like, interesting uh, looking at because, I mean, it's been a fucking hell of a great year so far. Like, mm-hmm. and maybe it just feels that way because the last two years, like between like COVID pushing so many things back and just sort of everything being all wonky and out of the out of the usual. This fe- year feels like such a return to form. And like, like, it's interesting because, Joey, you were mentioning like your top three could still hang out in your top 10 by the end of the year. I would be very surprised if my top three changes between now and yeah. the end of the year. That's how much I like those three movies. So, so you need some stone cold masterpieces before the end of the year for any of well, those to budge. That's possible. I, I mean, here same, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, it's a shame that everything everywhere came out so early because it's not going to, I, I, there's no way that movie's going to change that number one slot. It's impossible. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I also think if it had come out later, it might not have caught on the way it did. I think it, it the alchemy of why it's popular, Maybe. I think, just happened to be the right time. Um, so in terms of awards, you know, weeks ago I had talked about, you know, there's no way to fucking know about whether six months from now they'll play. You know, I, I suspect everything everyone at once will get Precursor Love in the same way that, like, I think RRR might get some. But... You know, they're not guarantees of success. Top Gun, I think, maybe less so. Though it's 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 one of those ones where it's just gunning for PGA. You know, like, to be on that list, to, like, if the Globes return, to be in, like, a, you know, make the Globe list as, like, a popular movie. Like, we all know that route that, like, a more mainstream movie can take for a nomination. Um, but I had recently talked about how I was holding off for a little bit. Um, Miles, I changed my mind. <laughs> Um, if you look at my, my Oscar nominations now, I have uh, Top Gun and, and Everything Everywhere at 9 and 10 in oh. my picture lineup. Well, there you go. Since Well, since, you know, we're, we're essentially at July, is there anything else that's come out that is even sort of like kind of an Oscar movie? Elvis, right? But probably not yeah, in picture. Fuck me if Elvis gets nominated. <laughs> no. Elvis, Elvis is looking at like actor, maybe supporting actor production design costumes editing makeup like those kind of things sound like that's it's a below the line thing yeah um aside from that what else would you say is an oscar movie besides like a one-off category like a dr strange and visual effects right can you think of one no i i would agree with those two picks i think they're the ones that out of everything for the first half of the year i can Mm -hmm. see them it, and again, and we talk about this all the time, it really depends at the end of the day on what the competition is, which is why totally. I never like to make hyperbolic statements about like, oh, this is happening or this is getting nominated exactly. or this is winning because so much yeah. of that isn't about the movie or the performance. It's about what the competition is and is there room and how, you know, locked in are other things. There's just there's so many moving pieces. There's well, that's definitely where... no such thing as a lock, especially 900 months in advance. Yeah. Exactly. That's where, like, you know, we talked last week about Cha-Cha Real Smooth, maybe trying to do the CODA thing. It's opening earlier than CODA did, but, like, you know, the you just, at this point, people are just sort of trying things. Yeah. And without anything that you would 
throw up there is like not even surefire because like we said i don't really believe in that but like a smart money type thing yeah it, it doesn't hurt to put either of them in the lineup because the way it kind of works and and my friend and um again colleague wilson morales from black film and tv often uh says this like if he has like um he had um um from the uh aretha franklin movie last year from respect Who's the lead in that movie? Why am I spacing uh, Jennifer on that? Hudson. Jennifer Hudson. Jennifer Hudson. He had Jennifer Hudson at five in Actress for a long time because he's like, well, who's left? Who's the competition? Who haven't we seen yet? Like, it, it, in some ways, it is a, like, one-on-one. Like, okay, is she more likely than this person? Is she more likely than that person? And until you have more of those films, yeah, of course you can keep something. So, like, we'll wrap quickly on what I have as my ten right now. Um, just so you can sort of compare. So 10 is Top Gun. 9 is Everything Everywhere All at Once. 8 is The Whale. In that, like, smaller, get a couple acting nominations. I think, oddly, if this like if Sadie Sink is really having a moment, that could be helpful for that film when it comes out. Um, White Noise, you know, the big Netflix movie, potentially. Poor Things, Yorgos. 5, I have Amsterdam. We, we'll see what happens with David R. Russell. But there's one that, like, that one falls by the wayside. Suddenly you've got another slot. Um, 4, I have Babylon. I don't know that it's a winner, but like, if it's well liked, I, I think potentially that's that's going to get in. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, I think, is probably good for a nomination as long as it's good. Again, we don't know. Um, she said, which we've talked about, of like if it is as on the on point as we think it's going to be, should be a player. And and the Fablemans, like, not, plenty of like potential masterpieces, but nothing that you know, even if it's not great, is getting in, and that that creates a very interesting situation. That doesn't even take into account the things we mentioned earlier, like The Woman King or, you know, like um, Bardo from Netflix and um, God knows, like Avatar is lurking. Who knows what will happen there? Yeah. So, by, yeah, uh, why not? By the by, you might want to take poor things out of there because that recently got confirmed for 2023. Nah. Well, in the next update. But you know what I mean? It's the, yeah. the point remains. Um, so um, let's wrap up. Let me know. Um, so, Miles, you'll, you'll teach Max how to do this, but say where you can be followed and um, tell me the one movie you're looking forward to in the second half or two or three if you want. Oh, God. Didn't we do this uh, an episode or two ago? Mm, I feel like you okay. just answered this question. Okay, you're right, you're right, right. So, um, I'm going to answer it because I like that question. Well, Max can do that. The other Miles, you can, do, you can do the opposite. What's one big movie to come that, like, you're going to see, but you don't want to see. Not an Elvis that you're not going to see. A movie you know you're going to see, but it's kind of but like, I'm, not looking I'm forward obligated. To it. Okay, yeah. okay. That's good. All right. Uh, oh, except I got to think about it now. Um, Do you want me to go first? Because I already have mine ready to go. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Go for it. Perfect. All right. So, uh, Max Joseph, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, mjoseph492, on YouTube, youtube.com slash Person. And the movie, for one reason and one reason alone that I'm so, so, so excited for is The Fablemans. I mean, I guess because of Steven Spielberg. But honestly, the only thing I care about, John Williams. Yeah, sure. All right. Say where you can be followed. Where can we, uh, where can we uh, read this, watch? Okay. Anything else? I mean, is there anything else that you want to share is what I meant? Like, not the like. Oh, God. What else no. do I want to share? I don't know. You want to share your YouTube or anything like that? I already said that. Okay. Then I wasn't paying attention. Never mind. You clearly don't love me. <laughs> yeah, well, 
if you must know, I was I was actually answering an email from Netflix. Go figure. They were listening. Well, they're always hope, listening. I hope they heard where they can follow me. Yeah, um, there you go. Yeah, Fablemans because I love John Williams. Uh, God, that's honestly like the big thing I'm really excited for. Um, because no, everything everywhere fair. all at once is already perfect. So. Hmm. I also love Damien Chazelle, so I'll say that and Fablelands and Babylon. I, I, uh, Max, I'm reading the script of Babylon. Well, I'm not. Enjoy it. There you <laughs> go. All right. Well done. Miles, you're up. All right. Well, you can follow me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Miles on Film. That's M-Y-L-E-S on Film. Please check out my short films, American Exorcist and Once Upon a Dracula. They are both on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures and Chase Capo, respectively. Uh, check out my writing on Awards Radar and Looper. Um, just to reiterate from before, despite Joey not being as keen on it, I'm still very much looking forward to 3,000 Years of Longing. Uh, nope, Thor, Babylon, all that good stuff, The Whale. Um Okay, so I've got kind of an odd one for uh, for the one that I'll see, but I'm not looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. And it's not this year, but it very much fits that description. The Flash. <laughs> yeah, because of course I, you're going to watch it, but I, you're just like, so I con- can't not watch it, but boy, I'm going to have some real mixed emotions while I'm watching that movie. You, you kind of hope that you're watching on HBO Max. Yeah, very much so. I think I'm very interested to see if the the studio buckles if. with that one yeah, yeah because i think uh, they could just like ride it out and hope for the best but we could also see some fascinating like justice league meets all the money in the world's recasting situation happen here and i i want to oh, watch God. how it happens i mean it's been a year it'll be a year there could almost be a rehab by then like you never even know you you could shoot a new movie in the time it would it'll take before almost, it comes yeah. out they should Mm-hmm. that is true um, yeah well you can follow me at Joey Magidson Facebook Twitter Instagram Letterboxd all that jazz awards radar is on several of those things uh, I'm going to say the whale is the thing I want to see most I'm just so fascinated by how that's going to turn out um, and, and kind of Babylon the more I start to read the script um, on the flip side um, maybe it's just Elvis exhaustion but I want to dance with somebody the Whitney Houston movie I'm just I'm not into these like musical biopics right now. Um, Miles knows what I'm getting at there. Oh, but I'm, I'm probably not going to see that one. Exactly. I mean, I mean, I want to know what it's like. And I want to know what I'm getting myself into. Um, but I just, I just want to feel the heat with somebody. There you go. Mm, well done. Well said. With somebody who loves me. Um, and I'll, I'll also throw out um, if Asteroid City comes out this year because, you know, Wes Anderson. <laughs> But yeah, next time I do update predictions, I probably have to move some stuff out, like Disappointment Boulevard and Poor Things. There's a couple of potential 2023s there. Oh, Though did, uh, the sourcing is always... Bu- did Disappointment Boulevard get pushed back? I believe it's the same sort of like place as um, one of the articles about uh, Poor Things, which is a an iffy source, per se. But um, they're not always right. They're not always wrong. So sure. I'm, I'm kind of waiting for a little bit more. Mm. But... Um, yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I'm not. I'm not gonna update for like probably a month or so unless something major happens. So by then, hopefully, so. So until then, we're on to the second half. Max, thank you for joining us. Thank and, you for uh, having me. My pleasure. We'll have you back, and uh, you know, we'll see you at the movies, and uh, you know, fuck the Supreme Court.
<laughs> Fuck you, SCOTUS. There we go. Lip, truly. Especially Clarence Thomas. All right. Go vote. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment contacts.